welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, um, if you, unless you have been hiding under a rock, you know that um, that the terrorist organization Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th and plundered and did unspeakable acts. And um you may, however, be wondering what really happened, because depending upon what media outlet you watch or listen to, you may be hearing all different kinds of things from um, from Hamas uh, having beheaded Israeli babies, which is true, to Israel having uh, bombed a hospital in Gaza, which is not true. So, you know, it's very confusing. It's very upsetting. Um, particularly if you have any connection to Israel, or if you just have, uh, have you ever been there? I wish more people had were they had. I wish more people visited Israel so that they would have a better understanding of what's going on. But um, today, you will you don't have to worry about um, wh- whether what you're hearing is true or false, because we are going to be hearing it um, straight from straight from Israel straight from someone who has his boots on the ground and has who has had his boots on the ground uh, numerous times volunteering. My guest um, is Stuart Katz. He is, he, I mean, <laughs> I didn't have enough room in the bio for all of the different things. I tried to put in as much as possible, but there's more. So I will read some of the highlights and then you can go to the bio for the rest of it. Uh, he is a mental health advocate and an author. He's in the south of Israel right now, providing support to the communities who were attacked uh, first and most by Hamas coming across the border. He is um, the co-founder of Nashino Alenu Initiative. He chairs OGEN, O-G-E-N, for the advancement of mental health awareness in Israel. And he leads mental health first programs um, and so on and so on. He has a master's in public health. Um, he had, he leads tours in Israel, or he has a business that leads tours in Israel, and he has lots of other um, accolades, lots of other, lots of other hard work that he has done. <laughs> uh, and so I, I want to get to him. You know, I, I want to allow him to have the maximum time to talk. So let's um, go to him now. First of all, Stuart, thank you so much for doing this. Obviously. Um, you know, anywhere in Israel is dangerous right now. And um, you are risking, you know, um, your safety to some degree by doing this. Uh, I'm not going to be telling your exact location, because in case Hamas would like, since you are speaking out so much and doing all of these wonderful things, helping people in all these different ways in Israel, and then um, in in America, uh, Stuart has lives both in Israel and in New York's and um and brings supplies to Israel and uh counsels on a hotline counsels in person all over the world he has um done volunteer work 
and um, he's one tired man. Or <laughs> you don't look very tired. I mean, I don't know. You look, I guess. How does one look when they're in the middle of Israel? Uh, you know, with bombs potentially coming any minute, and so on. Anyhow, thank you for being on the show. We, I can't wait, and I'm sure my listeners can't wait to what you have to to hear what you have to say. Great, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so let me just take you back about two and a half weeks. That seems about uh, an eternity almost. Um, October 7, 2023, um, which was when Hamas invaded. And uh, it was 6.29 in the morning. And I was in the synagogue. It started at 6.15 that morning for the holiday, the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, someone came over to me and said, hey, did you hear anything about us being invaded? And I said, no. Um, uh, most of us don't have our phones on in the synagogue. Um, mm. Certainly not on the holiday. Um, but someone came and said that. And so I said, well, we stepped outside for a minute and he showed me a message he had on his phone. He did have his phone on him. And I said, whoa. And all of a sudden we heard a bomb or a boom, I should say, not a bomb. And um, I ran home to wake up my wife, uh, which I normally don't make a habit of doing for my own safety. Um, and uh, I said, listen, I just want you to know, and, you know, we turned on our phones and started and word started to spread. And all of a sudden, um, I was overcome with trauma. Um, it was a trauma that I've never really experienced before. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners have read Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score, mm. but uh, I had the jumbotron up then. And um, my first visit to Israel was when I was 10 years old, almost 50 years to the date prior, October 6, 1973, which was the start of the Yom Kippur War. Same scenario. I was in synagogue, but I was a little boy. Mm. And I saw people being ushered away, people getting their military gear, going out from the synagogue and going off to war. Fast forward 50 years, I saw the same thing, huh. but I wasn't a little boy. I was watching little boys go to war. And it's probably the most traumatic event I've ever experienced in my life. And I've experienced trauma before, um, but it all came up. And, um, you know, right now we're in the middle of fighting a, for the most part, an air battle. Um, there was an attempt today from the sea to come in. Um, and there will be a land battle. Um, we always do not like land battle, battles because it takes the cost of lives is just tremendous. Um, unfortunately, there is no choice and the world knows it. Um, obviously, in Israel, we know it. Many in Israel would rather not do it because we know there's going to be a loss of lives. Um, in Israel, there's a maximum of one degree of separation. Everyone knows someone, if not our own children, your neighbor's children on both sides. Um, so we're all, it's not a six degree of separation in Israel as in many parts of the world. It's one degree at the most here. And it's painful. It's very, very painful and it hurts. And especially we're in the middle, we're, entering the third week of a war almost, and we haven't seen anything yet. Um, so I say the real war is going to come when, quote unquote, this is all over. 
um, is the psychological war, um, the trauma that millions and millions, there's 10 million citizens in Israel. I think every citizen in Israel is going to have a traumatic effect from what's taking place right now. At the same time, most of us know that there's no choice. Um, this is our home. Um, most people want to live in peace. They want to live alongside the Arab neighbors, the Palestinians. But there's a very small evil element, um, which you refer to as Hamas. And we have Hamas in, in Gaza. At the same time, we're facing in the north Hezbollah coming in from Lebanon. Um, all the connections with Iran that we know um, through Syria. Um, and it's a small population, but it's very powerful. And we have no choice but to go to battle. Yes. Um, what do you, well, let me just say, first of all, um, obviously, well, not obviously, but I'm Jewish. Uh, I've been to Israel. Uh, my daughter was bas mitzvahed on Masada. So um, I have, you know, I have very strong feelings and, and uh, a love of Israel. And, um, you know, this has really been affecting me since October 7th. Um, I have been, what I have been doing to help is um, doing all kinds of interviews, you know, as just quick, uh, I became the terrorist therapist, what I call the terrorist therapist after 9-11. And I have been helping people since then cope with terrorism, cope not only with the memory of 9-11, the impact of 9-11, but, um, but also trying to help people become stronger for future terror attacks. Because in America, a lot of people are in denial and um and have cognitive dissonance you know put their um, information goes in on one level and then they put it into their unconscious mind because they don't want to do if it's too painful to deal with and so um so so my so i have been you know writing books about terrorism and and uh helping people individually doing talks uh and doing the media so i've been almost nonstop talking in the media since october 7th um, telling people the real story, which, by the way, as you probably know, was um, was talked about in an interview that was written about uh, today or that I saw it today. I'm sure it was in a lot of places, but I saw it today in the Daily Mail. Um, Asab Hassan Youssef, the son of the founder mm -hmm. of Hamas, who came out and said something that I have been warning people forever, that um, that this is not about Israel. We are all Israel, uh, you know, terrorists. Uh, people in in radical Islamist countries are being taught since they're four years old to destroy Israel and to kill Jews, and that that is the most honorable thing that they can do, and uh, and that they will be rewarded for it. And so, when they were um, able to, you know, people don't understand why, uh, how was uh, how how could any any human do the things that um, Hamas did? And it's because of this religiosity, this fervor, that they think that they are doing something for Allah uh, to kill Jews and to, to destroy Israel and all of that. And that and that this has been a plan for over a thousand years, not just to stop at Israel or Jews, but to take over the whole world, to make a global jihad and make everybody, uh, put everybody under Sharia law. And so we are not still... You know, it's not just over there. And it's really hard. I have found it is hard to um, get Americans. And I mean, a lot of Americans are just putting their head in the sand. I mean, there are a lot who are doing 
good things for Israel and contributing and so on to different organizations um, that are helping Israel in one way or the other. Um, I was on the board uh, of Magen Davida Dome in, in Los Angeles. And um, so there are lots of, of charities who are trying to help Israel. And there are a lot of people in America who are doing that. But um, but it's just it, it's really difficult to get people to wake up to the fact that we're next. You know, the West is next. It's already happening in Europe. Um, and and what what do you say? About, I mean, you've been both places. I mean, you live both places. So what what do you do about that? So uh, you, you've said it very clearly. Um, there there is no question. This is a world war. It's not a world war in the same way we know it as World War One and World War Two in the battlefield. Um, but it's a world war on the social media front. It's a world war on the cyber front. It's a world war on the psychological front. Um, one of the best recommendations I tell people, and it's something I adopted myself during the first week of the war, is um, I hardly listen or watch the news since the start of the war. At best, at most, I, I allotted myself five minutes an hour, and I don't keep to that. Um, I'm watching the news much less five, ten minutes a night before I go to sleep, just to see if there's anything I should have seen. Um, I'm not watching the videos. I'm not opening the photos. Um, I'm probably missing stuff, but it's stuff I don't need to know. Um, so I'm determined myself to be my own psychological war because they're trying to hit us there hard. Um, many, if not all the videos are fabricated. Um, they're not real. So well, I certainly don't need. Well, wait, wait. Video. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Um, we have to make a distinction between people are saying, for example, and in certain media, they're trying to say, like, like, let's say, take the hospital. You know, so Hamas said Israel bombed the hospital. Israel has proof, you know, the and the including the phone call between people uh, that were involved with the rocket or the bomb going off, whatever the weapon going off. Um, and yet people who, who are against Israel don't want to believe that. So, so yeah. So what do you, I mean, so. As an, yeah. As an Israeli, I can tell you the Israeli military has very clear directives not to go in and intentionally bomb anywhere where there are citizens of any country. Um, so without even thinking twice, there was no, no one um, not taken sides by any means. No one thought for a second that Israel bombed the hospital. Um, no, one once the, no one in Israel what, thought that. Even, yeah, but even, but once the proof came out, the rest of the world saw it right away. Um, it it didn't even take 12 hours for it to be proven. Um, and Hamas tries to change it and, and, you know, redo the videos and that's their prerogative, but they're doing it to try to attack us psychologically. And if we don't watch that and don't comment on it, um, they're not going to be able to reach us psychologically. And that's what they're trying. And they're doing a good job at it. Let me make that very clear. They are beating us in the psychological war. And we we have to stop that. And the easiest way to stop that is not to watch it. Um, if we don't watch it, we're not going to be affected. Um, there, there are plenty of people that are responsible to watch it and get it out to the world that it doesn't have to affect every citizen um, that cares and, and supports Israel around the world. Um, whether in Israel or abroad. So that's the first recommendation I would have is we, each of us as individuals and as communities can beat the psychological warfare that they're, they're, they're embarking on us. Um, then there's the social media fear, the cyber, the cyber, the cyber war. Um, to an extent, you know, some are better than others. I'm not an influencer, so I'm, I'm not very good at that. I can 
go to Facebook and have my two followers like it. Um, but, you know, but there are people that do a real good job and it's to reach out to the influencers and get them, get them to tell the truth. Um, I don't even have to say to support Israel. All we want is the truth. We don't need anything but the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that's the second thing. And then there are the soldiers in the military that will fight the battle, uh, whether from air, from land or by sea. Um, and they will do that. But every, every single citizen of the world has a position to say, I say, if you if you like something on Facebook that you should be liking, you're fighting the battle. If you're posting something on Instagram or on TikTok, you're fighting the battle. If you're not watching the video, you're fighting the battle. Um, so everyone does what they can. Some people are more comfortable. I enjoy going down and volunteering my time down south. Multiple, many people are afraid to do so. That's okay. That's what I enjoy. Some people enjoy staying in front of their computer and liking Facebook. That's fighting the battle. And so everyone has a role to play. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm trying to put together in my head, you know, you had said that you, you, that this was very, tra- is, was, is very traumatic. And yet you somehow found the, um, I guess the Israeli spirit <laughs> to, uh, to go really into the heat of a, a different kind of battle. I mean, I know you're not fighting with weapons and so on, but um, to go to the place where that was hit the hardest and that is still in the, the danger zone. Um, I mean, do you not, how do you put together the fact that this is so traumatic and yet walk into the danger zone? So it's, it's a humanitarian effort more than anything else. Um, I tend to appreciate going into humanitarian efforts wherever they are in the world. Um, you know, four or five, six years ago when Syrian refugees were escaping Syria and coming to Greece, I used to spend a week a month in Greece uh, working with Syrian refugees. Um, to me, it doesn't matter where they're from, what color, race, or religion. Um, a human is a human. Um, and when humanitarian needs call, um, we have a responsibility to be there. Um, right now, it happens to be at home in Israel, but I I try to be wherever I can whenever the calling is there. Um, what do you think about um, the White House? Um, what do you think about the speech of Obama? Um, Obama? I, I, I meant to say Biden, but it's Obama who's controlling Biden. So, um, what do you think about the speech that Biden made? when he came to Israel? So I really try to stay away from politics. Um, I, I think the support that Israel is is receiving from around the world is just shows, um, you know, it's an endorsement um, of, what, of what has to be done. Obviously, Countries will change their mind um, with pressure from others, and it'll go back and forth. But um, you know, no one is going to tell Israel how to defend itself the same way no one will tell the United States or Russia or China or Venezuela how to defend themselves. Uh, people may try, but every country has a right to defend themselves, um, doing so with dignity and with respect for human life. Mm-hmm as Israel is doing, you know, putting leaflets. Tell, why don't you talk about that? Like what, you know, because, um, I mean, that's the big thing that the people who are um, 
pro standing with Hamas. I mean, like, for example, I'm sure you you know about the college students and so on making these protests and saying uh, that Israel is terrible and, and um, you know, killing people and all of that. Tell why don't you talk about some of the things that Israel is doing, like, for example, the leaflets that they've been dropping with drones to try to get the, the people who the Palestinians out of Gaza. How is that going? Well, I can't tell you how it's going. I can tell you that before Israel will go in and bomb any area where there are civilians, they go in uh, with leaflets, as you mentioned, and drop them, advising them that the area is going to be bombed um, and they should get out. And they give them plenty of plenty of notice. Um, unfortunately, some of the enemies out there use these civilians as human shields and then say that Israel bombed innocent civilians. Um, but they're being used as human shields by the enemy. Um, and this isn't new. This is ongoing uh, throughout history. Um, this is nothing new that just started three weeks ago. Um, you know, we hope that obviously we don't want any lives to be taken um, from anyone, um, but and certainly not certainly not civilian lives. But we do have we have a responsibility to the citizens of Israel to protect us and protect our homeland. Um, so that we can continue to prosper. I mean, we're a nation that's over 3,000 years old, but we're 75 years young. And, um, and uh, you know, there are growing pains, um, but we're doing a damn good job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. Um, you know, there. I, I once saw some, I think it was, it was something on the internet about all the products that uh, inventions and so on that have come out of Israel. It's mind-blowing. People wouldn't be having a lot of the, the things that they have if it were not for Israel. Um, so what about the fact that uh, after these leaflets were dropped and so on, and, and it became widespread in Gaza that Israel was trying to get people to uh, in Gaza to, uh, to, well, the people at least in the north of Gaza to go to the south of Gaza, you know, to to be more protected. But then it turned out, or so it's my understanding, that um countries didn't want to didn't want to open their borders to the Palestinians, the people from Gaza. What is happening with that? So I, again, I'm a civilian. I can't I certainly can't speak for Israel and I, I definitely cannot speak for other countries. Um, but uh, you know, throughout history, no one, none of the Arab countries, um, you know, our neighbors, whether it's Jordan or Egypt or, you know, countries a little further, whether it's Sudan, Yemen, Morocco, the UAE, Bahrain, um, who we have good relationships with, none of them want the Palestinians, um, you know, they, they want them in Israel um, or in Gaza. Um, and Israel provides water, food, humanitarian aid, medical um, to them. Um, and in return, we have to deal with Hamas. So why won't the countries take them? I have no idea. Um, but, um, you know, it's it, it's what it is right now. Um, but it's also not Israel's responsibility. Um, yeah. Well, do you think, um, is part of it that they're afraid that um, these the Palestinians... Are actual are actually in their heart Hamas or or a terrorist? And they don't want to bring terrorists into their country, and they can't. They no, can't I don't them. think so. I personally don't think so. I've met a lot of 
people in Gaza Strip, Palestinians, and they're really wonderful people. They're they're not they're they're afraid of Hamas, like everyone, probably more than everyone else. Um, it's it's a it's a small evil group of people. Yes, it's really sad that the that that uh, Gaza um, elected them to be in charge altogether. Um, um, I'm not familiar. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Gaza politics, so I I don't know if they were elected or they were self self chosen. But yes. Well, well, yes, self right, self chosen uh, intimidation. I guess is the instead of election intimidation. Um, uh, well, well, what is you know there? There, I have seen videos of uh, Israelis on their balconies uh, singing the national anthem. Um, you know, and and actually, I posted that. I'm a big tw- tweeter, and I I posted that saying that um, Hamas underestimated Israel, underestimated the courage and the strength of Israel. That you know they're not going to. Um, they underestimated how what it would take to conquer Israel, because because of the first of all the love that Israelis have for each other that you were kind of talking about at the beginning. And um, and the the courage, you know, standing on the balconies and singing Hatikva uh, in the midst of war. What were you part? Were you on your balcony? <laughs> uh, so I was not, um, but I did pass it in a few areas where I was driving. Um, look, the country is united like it's never been before. Um, there's no question. The level of love and feeling. Um, is I, I've never experienced it, and it's beautiful. Um, it's a shame this is what it took, but it's you know let's cherish it while it's here. Um, so it's uh, it's truly amazing. Um, uh, you know, just the singing, people doing things like offers. Um, you know, mothers with young children that have their husbands in the army. People are cooking for them day and night. Um, people are shopping for one another. Some people are afraid to leave their homes, while others just want to help and continue to leave their homes shopping for others. Um, it's just one one act of kindness after another is being seen throughout the country, every part of the country. Chat groups, you know, like I need this delivered here. I need this delivered here. Oh. You can't you can't answer fast enough. The laundry that has to be done for the soldiers. Person puts out on a chat group. My son's coming home with. 40 bags of laundry who can help do them in under five minutes, consider it done like their claim. So it's the unity and the level of kindness is, is unprecedented. I I think in the world, my lifetime. Yes. You know, it reminds me of uh, 9-11, how, what happened in America, how America came together uh, to help after 9-11. Well, we're, we're heading towards a break. And maybe when we come back, though, I was thinking since were you in New York during 9-11? I mean, in in New York. I was. Yes, I was in New York during 9-11. Oh, OK, so maybe um, maybe we can talk a little bit about that uh, compared sure. to when you, when you come back. OK. Assumed, my guest is Stuart Katz. Um, he is in Israel volunteering his, uh, his <laughs> as much as he can. 
um, being the Energizer Bunny. And um, we're talking about um, we're talking about what is really going on in Israel, the 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 horror, the trauma, and all of this love. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking about what's really happening in Israel. Here from Boots on the Ground, and the Boots on the Ground are those of Stuart Katz, my guest. He is, he's, you know, it's really Stuart. As I was saying earlier, I tried to get all of your accomplishments, president of this, president of that, head of this, you know, chairman of this and that. And all of this is, is are things where you give your heart. And Stuart lives both in Israel and in New York. And um, he's in Israel right now, which is how he's able to tell us about what is really going on there. Um, well, so let's get to, you said that on 9-11, you were in New York. So what was that like? Um, it was scary. Um, it was scary on multiple fronts. Um, uh, I guess the first one is I was actually supposed to be on one of the flights, and I canceled it about four days prior. Oh my god! So I was I was kind of recovering from that. Huh. Um, I was I have an office on Long Island. I was actually sitting in my office, and I never realized I could see the World Trade Center from there. I just never knew that. Um, until I saw the second tower fall. 
Um, so that was frightening. Um, and then just getting on a plane afterwards, it was frightening. But perhaps one of the most surreal things was after 9-11, a couple months after, I was um, I was escorting a group of rabbis um, to Germany and Israel. And it was one of the first, it was when Germany was really beginning to open up to the Jewish market. Um, you know, today it's very popular. But And um, I remember we took them to speak at a school in Berlin. And you know, just to hear a little about life in Germany. And they wanted to hear about, and they said, where are you from? And we said, we're from New York. They go, oh my God, how do you live there? Aren't you scared? And it was like, well, we're in Germany. Like we're (laughs) known for atrocities. And they go, aren't you scared to live in New York? And I said, you know what? Maybe I should be. And that's how you put things in perspective. So, you know, when people say, are you afraid to live in Israel? Um, or you're afraid to live in the Middle East. Well, it depends. Home is home. And um, there's evil all around us. We're not we're not exempt from it unless, as you said, you're living under a rock or locked up in a cave. Um, and where were sadly, you born? Is, were you born? I'm sorry? Were you born in Israel or in New York? I was born in Panama. Wow. Okay. <laughs> So, so yeah, so wherever you go in the world, um, I'd rather focus on the positive and say there are incredible human beings out there. Sadly, there's an element of evil as well. It's the minority. Sometimes it's a very vocal minority. Um, but the more we do together as a people and look at the good, I think that we will have a better chance to combat the evil, which is why I well on not opening those videos and not letting us not letting them beat us in the psychological war well are are israelis looking at the videos sure of course they are it's human nature to want to see what's going on i don't want to miss anything yes um and that's and they know that um the enemy knows that which is why i say don't Uh uh-huh uh-huh okay um, so how would you compare uh, 9-11, you know, your experience of 9-11 to your experience of uh, October 7th when Hamas attacked? So I would rather make the comparison with September 12th and October 8th. <laughs> okay. Um, the day we're attacked, um, whether it's 9-11 or, you know, October 7th, we're in a state of shock. The body doesn't know what to do, how to react. We don't know what hit us. Um, the day after we begin to gain composure, mm-hmm. um, how long it will take to fully gain that composure is yet to be determined. Um, I think the U.S. is still recovering from 9-11, um, as is much of the world. Um, we will never be the same. Um, the The comparisons between this year, October 7th, and October 6th of 1973, quite besides my personal comparisons um we hear it from many people we were caught off guard in 1973 and we were caught off guard in 2023 um i'm guilty of saying i'm glad we were able to keep our guard down because we thought we're living in another world uh-huh. sadly we're not and i i mean that and it's real real sad because you know 
we're we're making peace with our neighbors. We're living in a much better place. Um, I say it's you know it's the two steps forward, one step back um, that we talk about in mental health so often. Um, so we have a little a little bump in the road. It's a costly bump, um, but I hope it's only a little bump, um, and I believe it is. Now, what would you say? I mean, it would be really nice if um, if everyone had the attitude that you do uh, in terms of looking more for the good or looking more for how to help um, than, you know, looking at uh, at the negative or being frightened or, you know, um, and I, of course, as a psychiatrist, I would love to know what in your childhood, um, what do you think it is that caused you to grow up and be like this? And it's not just about, this isn't just since October 7th, folks, um, that Stuart Katz has become such a dedicated giving man. Um, I mean, as I was saying, he was the president of this and that, a bunch of organizations that help people. Um, And so it's been like lifelong uh, for you, it seems like. So what do you think it was in your childhood or in your early life that made you to develop, made you develop like this? I don't think we have enough time for that. <laughs> well, a, a Reader's Digest version of it. How can people copy you is basically what I'm saying. Um, I don't think people would want to copy me. <laughs> Okay, how can people, how can, okay, I'll put it a different way. How can parents um, develop uh, children, parent children, um, be be the kinds of parents that develop children who are all about giving and looking at the bright side and things like that? How would you suggest that? Um, I would say let children be who they are, not what you want them to be. Um, is probably is probably the best thing. Um, a parent, a parent shouldn't. Um, yeah, shouldn't live through their child. Uh huh. Oh my! <laughs> Opening a window to a whole bunch of <laughs> trauma. Yeah, it, it could go on. <laughs> we could take a much Okay, I, want, I don't want to embarrass you, so I'm not gonna. I'm not going to uh, continue down that road, but uh, because sometimes, I mean, it is true that sometimes um, it's not always the parents who are the most giving and perfect and um, who develop the children who are the most giving and perfect. Sometimes it's a reaction against parents who are a certain way. Um, What else can you tell us? well, first of all, oh, during the break, you were starting to talk about what your daughter has done on Amazon. Tell us about that, how people can contribute things. Right. So so one of the, um, you know, everyone wants to do something. And my daughter came up with this idea, like, why don't we just create a registry on Amazon? People are asking. We're getting lists all the time of supplies that are needed from the U.S., whether children wanting toys because they're displaced from their homes or mainly right now the focus is actually on the military. just supplies not coming in rapid enough because they were caught off guard so the military wasn't properly supplied um and they you know thank god they have the basics you know the 
there's lots of rumors they don't have the helmets, the vests. And to my knowledge, they have everything. The distribution just took a while. But there are certain like band-aids and medical supplies that they are missing, especially I shouldn't say missing, but if we once we go into a ground attack, that they're going to need more of. Um, so they are requesting supplies, um, and they're being very specific. So what my daughter did is created like a basically a gift registry on Amazon. Um, and as we're updated constantly from different brigades and platoons that we're in contact with, uh, we just go, she goes on and, and lists the item, and then people people um buy the item and they're actually delivered to, to a destination in the States. Um, and myself and others that go back and forth, um, we bring a few extra bags each time, somewhere in the 30 to 40 range. Um, and, uh, you know, I say that every time we make a trip like that, it's it's nice that we're bringing supplies, but we're actually involving like a thousand people between the purchasing, bringing to the airport, pick up from the airport, delivering down to the soldiers, and I think I think the supplies, while they're useful and necessary, I think the fact that we involve so many people in this in good deeds um, is what really makes it special. Um, you know, you have all of a sudden a thousand people that are feeling good that they're doing something, and it's and that's and then we talked about the unity a little before. That's that's the unity because people from all over the world, you know, from putting the list together to going out and clicking, I want this item and. They write the soldier a little note, and then people that come to pack it, people that take it to the airport, people that pick it up from the people that take down soldier. All of a sudden, you have like a thousand people in this mission, um, and that's like on an ongoing basis. Wow! So, how does one find it? This this registry on Amazon. Um, it, you can look it up under Swords of Iron. I mean, I'm happy to share a link, but it's a it's a long link. Um, but if you look up under Gift Registry Swords of Iron. Um, it would be there. So you mean you go to Amazon and you put in gift registry to go to the gift registry section, and then you put in Swords of Iron. Right, Swords of Iron. It's like like instead of putting in a couple's name, like under a wedding registry, it would be Swords of Iron is the name of the gift registry. If you do gifts registry by name, and then you look up uh, Swords of Iron. Okay. Okay, and we'll give this out again at the end. Uh, I think that's wonderful. Is your daughter in Israel or in at this time? Or yeah, she's she, she's in Israel. She's in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, and that's that's fabulous. So, um, now is it? I I didn't find. Did you? It's, I said somewhere that you were an author. An author. <laughs> author. Uh, see my my New York accent is coming out, um, but I couldn't see what is the name. Is, is that true? And what is the name of the book that you wrote? Uh, it's called Travel. It just came out on World Mental Health Day on October 10th. It's called oh. Travel Therapy. Travel Therapy Around the World in Search of Happiness. Oh wait a minute! I did see that Travel Therapy in Travel Therapy Around the World in Search of Happiness. In Search of Happiness. And tell us about that. Um, so basically, I mean, I'm in the travel field, and I have been for 35 years. I um, think I may have been on your tour. Um, did you? How far back? When did when did Tal start? Uh, in 1990. Um. Yeah, that could have been. <laughs> um. 
I think that that, do you, and do you have tours in Israel for bus mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs? Sure, sure. I think that I was on your tour. <laughs> okay. um, it was an amazing tour, quite frankly. Uh, I would recommend yeah. it to everybody, not at this moment. Actually, it's funny because um, my daughter was bus mitzvahed in our, our temple in Los Angeles. And um, and then as a gift, my mother gave us, uh, she and I and, and uh, herself, um, a trip to Israel. And to her the advancements, but again in Israel. And, um, but my every time, so we would set a date, or my mother would set it, we all agree on a date, and then something would happen in Israel, and my mother would get scared and she'd say, No, no, we can't go now, it's too dangerous, we have to postpone it. And, um, and that, that happened three times, so my daughter had to learn three different portions of the Torah. Wow. <laughs> and finally, we, uh, we, we, she got to say it, um, you know, got to read the Torah in uh, on Masada. And the rabbi was very surprised that a girl could read the Torah so well. You should only know, right? The third That's right. <laughs> so Amazing. We only have, um, oh, then yes. And that's on Amazon too. Um, the book, Travel Therapy Around the World in Search of Happiness. And um you can find that there as well as the registry. So um, tell us about, about, I was, I interrupted you telling about talking about your book because I got excited about your travel agency. Sure. So tell us about the book. So the book um, I started about uh, almost two years ago now. Um, I, I realized I was dealing with um, major depression um, just a few years ago. Um, uh, it's something I've lived with probably my entire life, just didn't know about it. So you ask what parents can do. Parents can, um, get their children the proper care when they're younger. Uh Um, that's, that's another, uh, another recommendation I would have. And, um, and uh, being in the traveled field, um, I've visited over a hundred countries and, uh, for me, travel is a coping mechanism. I didn't realize it, um, and, but I would cope by traveling. And now, now I, now that I know it, I, um, I, I don't prescribe because I'm not a doctor. But I would say I prescribe it to others. Um, but it's not for everyone. But for a lot of people, I think travel um, is an incredible therapeutic modality. Um, and it's not only the trip itself, but it's the preparation for the trip. It's, you know, every day on the trip, it's planning the trip. And then it's when you come back to get ready and plan the next trip. Um, so so I, I believe this, uh, you know, there's hundreds of modalities out there. And I think travel is, um, is one. Um, and it's one that I don't think people, people have yet realized that it's, it's how therapeutic it is. So yeah. that was... That was the reason behind the book. And um, so is this, is, is it sort of like a diary, like looking at your different travels? Um, it's a combination. I mean, it's, it's totally nonfiction. It's a combination of um, basically experiences that I've had around the world um, in different, in different countries. And, you know, like I said, in search around the world in search of happiness, um, you know, and, and what is happiness and means different things to different people. And, um 
you know, I've been to many areas of disaster, um, you know, whether working with the Syrian refugees that I mentioned earlier, or going to help in Nepal after the earthquake, or in the Philippines, or Hurricane Sandy, um, you know, around the world. And every time I would find happiness um, um, and in other poorer countries, you know, in many third world countries, whether in Africa or in Bhutan, Bhutan, they don't have a GNP, they have uh, GNH, Growth National Happiness, where they measure happiness. That's how they measure. Um, so there's there's a lot to be learned from travel. Um, and that's pretty much, I guess you could say it's a diary, but it's it's more than a diary. Uh-huh. Well, I totally agree with you. Um, travel is amazing. You know, when you when you're home, uh, wherever home is, it's like you're always surrounded by the problems and issues that you have to deal with in your life. And when you travel somewhere, not only do you see all these new, beautiful, interesting things, um, and you bond and you bond with the person or people who you're with traveling with. Um, but when you come home, I mean, it's like a cleansing, you know, it's like erasing the blackboard. You come home with a, with a clean mind to clean, you're ready to, uh, to, to, you know, you feel you're filled with energy and you're ready to go at it again. And the things that seem so important and, uh, and, and disappointing and so on before you left, it, you come back and you really don't care about it so much, or you think of a new way to deal with it that that makes it work. So yes, I I agree with you. Um, what else would you like to? Haven't we talked about that? You want to make sure people know. Um, you know, the most important thing I would say is kind of just to reiterate that. Um, I think I think people just should be kind to one another. Um. And for different people, that means different things. But um, kindness will get us through war, but it has to go beyond war. Um, it's you know when the war is over, they remember they remember that we were kind during the war, and to try to extend that a little a little further. Um, you know, in in places like Israel, we flip the switch on and off real quickly. Um, you know, uh, we were we were dealing with about nine months of where they were talking about judicial reform and there were riots and protests every all the time. And all of a sudden, October 7th, they stopped in a, in a split second. So I'm hoping when the war stops, um, however long it is, whether it's two months, three months or nine months, um, you know, it will end and hopefully with minimal loss of life and minimal damage and we'll all be a stronger people in a stronger world. Um, but that we will remember that um, that we were kind to one another and we have the ability to be kind. And more than the ability, we have the responsibility and obligation. Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, we were talking about like um, how, it is, how it was in Israel after October 7th and how it was in America um, at how, after 9-11 and Yes, if we could only have, I mean, it's so sad that we have to have a tragedy, an overwhelming tragedy uh, to bring people together. We really should keep that, those feelings um, all the time, and the world would certainly be a better place. Um, you know, what I'm, one of the, another thing that I'm doing for Israel that I've been doing is when I do these interviews, um, I spread the word that, um, well, I've written a book, I've written couple of books about terrorism, but my latest book 
is really um, to help parents and teachers help kids with terrorism. So it's called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And um, it, I, it, all the pro, if people buy it from my website, which is terroristtherapist.com, um, I give the proceeds to Israel. So oh, that's beautiful. That's very nice. And um, and in the book, the first half of the book is is to um, help parents and teachers, grownups, uh, answer children's questions about terrorism. You know, um, why do terrorists, What? who are terrorists? Um, why do they want to hurt us? Um, you know, will I die? Will you die? Uh, is this person a terrorist? Is that person a terrorist? All the questions that, you know, uh, that they are most frequently are most frequently asked and then the second half of the book is a picture book for kids so um it starts out with what is a terrorist a terrorist is like a bully on the playground and um and it shows a picture of a bully on the playground osama bin laden is in the book you know the most famous terrorist um 9-11 um you know going to the airport that sometimes that's a reminder that terrorism is still in the world. And we still, you know, the, the main reminder in America is when we have to go to the airport, right? Um, and uh, and so anyway, so so I, that's my, so I, I'm trying to help people with the book, number one, and, and help Israel by giving the proceeds from it. That's beautiful. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let me repeat again the um, name of my guest's book, Stuart Katz. The book is Travel Therapy Around the World in Search of Happiness. And also, again, I want to recommend his TAL, T-A-L, um, travel services, best trips, best way to see Israel and lots of other countries, I'm sure. Um, and then, again, going to Amazon for the, to, um, for the registry to click on what gifts, what, what is needed that you can give. I'm sure it's all different price ranges uh, to give to the, to the people of Israel and particularly the military. And so you go to Amazon, you go to the gifts registry, and then you go to Swords of Iron. Swords of Iron. Well, Stuart, thank you so much. You have pleasure. Been... I appreciate the opportunity, and thank you for all you do for Israel and the rest of the world. Thank you. Same back at you. Thank you. Um, and stay safe. I hope that you and, your, you. Family and your loved ones, and I hope that all of Israel stays safe. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.